0: You're listening to the Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. Episode 7 Nestor continues his story. The sun sank, and darkness came to Pylos. Then Telemachus addressed them, speaking winged words. Now I want to inquire and question Nestor about another story, since he knows more about what is thought and what is done than anyone. They say he's ruled over three generations of men, and looking at him, he seems like an immortal to me. Nestor Neleades, tell me the truth. How did Atreides Agamemnon, lord of vast expanse, die? Where was Menelaus. What kind of death-wish did cunning Agisthus have for himself, killing a much better man? Was Menelaus not in a in Argos? Or was he wandering somewhere else among men that Agisthus was brave enough to kill Agamemnon? Then Nestor, the Grenian horseman, answered him, Very well then, child, I'll tell you the whole truth. Imagine for yourself how it would have gone if, coming back from Troy, bright-haired Atreides Menelaus, found Agisthus alive in his palace. Even once he was dead, they wouldn't have piled earth on him, but he'd have lain on the plain. Far from town, and the dogs and birds would have devoured him. No Achaean woman would mourn him. What he did was no small matter. For while we were encamped there and pulled through many hardships, he, carefree in some corner of horse-grazing Argus again and again, bewitched Agamemnon's wife with his words— Now, at first, divine Clytemnestra refused the shameful business she had a good head on her shoulders. But she also had a bard with her, a man who, at going to Troy, repeatedly ordered to protect his wife. But when the fate of the gods bound her and she was tamed, then Aegisthus took the singer to a desert island and abandoned him to become prey and spoil for the birds.' "'Then, with her as willing as he was, he led her to his house. "'And he burned plenty of thigh-bones on a sacred altar to the gods "'and hung up many offerings—ornaments, gold and woven things— "'because, unexpectedly, he'd made this immense thing happen. "'At the same time, we sailed back from Troy, "'Menelaus and I on good terms with each other. "'But when we came to sacred Sunion, At the headland of Athens, there Phoebus Apollo attacked Menelaus' pilot, frontis onetorides, better than the rest of the tribe of men at steering a ship when a fierce storm blows. Apollo killed him, with his gentle arrows, his hands still on the rudder of the running ship. So Menelaus stopped there, though eager to be on his way, in order to bury his companion and leave grave offerings for him. But when even he set out on the wine-dark sea in his hollow ships and came at a run to the high mountain of Malaya, then thunderous Zeus devised a loathsome road. He poured the breath of whistling winds down on him, and waves swollen to a gigantic size like mountains. Then he divided the ships in two and sent some to Crete, where the Kidones dwell around the streams of Iardanos. There is a a certain rock which runs into the sea, smooth and steep, at the edge of Gortis in the misty ocean. There the south wind pushes a great wave left towards the headland, towards Phaistus, and a little stone keeps back the great wave. The men with difficulty avoided destruction, and the ships came there, and then the waves broke the ships against the reef, But five dark-proud ships reached Egypt, the winds and water carrying them. So Menelaus wandered with his ships among foreign men, gathering a lot of gold and making his livelihood. Meanwhile, Aegisthus planned these dismal things for him at home. Seven years he ruled in gold-rich Mycenae, having killed Atreides and mastered the men under him. But in the eighth year, bad things came for him, godlike Orestes back from Athens, and he killed that patricide, cunning Aegisthus, the murderer of his famous father. He killed him, and he gave the Argives a funeral banquet for his hated mother and that weak man, Aegisthus. On the same day, Menelaus, of the loud battle cry, came, bringing many possessions, which his ships carried as cargo. And you, dear one, don't wander far from home for long, having left such overbearing men in your home with your belongings, lest they eat it all up and divide it among themselves, and your journey turn out to be for nothing. Rather, I urge and command you to go to Menelaus. He's just come from abroad, from men in the middle of a sea so great that not even birds can get out of it in the same year it's that huge and terrible. Once the storm winds have led you astray there, you'll lose hope of returning. But go now, with your ship and your companions, or if if you want on foot. A chariot and horses are at your disposal, and so are my sons. They'll be your guides to divine Lacedaemon, where bright-haired Menelaus is. Appeal to him yourself, so he'll be direct. He's very sensible, he won't tell a lie." That's what Nestor said. And the sun sank, and dusk came. Then the goddess, bright-eyed Athena, addressed them. Sir, this is indeed well said. But come on, cut the tongues and mix the wine so we can pour a libation to Poseidon and the other immortals, and can think of sleep, since it's that time. Already the light has gone under darkness, and it's not appropriate— TO SIT FOR A LONG TIME AT A FEAST OF THE GODS, IT'S BETTER TO GO. ZEUS' DAUGHTER SPOKE, AND THEY LISTENED TO WHAT SHE SAID. THEN THE HERALDS POURED WATER OVER THEIR HANDS, AND BOYS FILLED MIXING BOWLS TO THE BRIM WITH WINE AND PASSED IT OUT TO EVERYONE, PUTTING A LITTLE IN EACH CUP FOR THE OFFERING. THEN, STANDING, THEY POURED THE LIBATION, AND THREW THE TONGUES IN THE FIRE. Once they'd made the offering, and drunk as much as their hearts desired, then Athena and godlike Telemachus started to return to their hollow ship. But Nestor held them back, telling them, "'Zeus and the other deathless gods forbid that you should leave my home and go to your swift ship as if you were leaving someone poor, and entirely without clothing, with no cloaks or blankets in his house, nothing soft for himself or his guests to sleep on.' But I have robes and beautiful rugs. Surely the dear son of that man, Odysseus, won't sleep on his ship's deck so long as I'm alive. And after me, my children remain in this hall to receive guests, whoever might come to my house. Then the goddess, bright-eyed Athena, said back to him, This is well said, dear sir. And it's appropriate for Telemachus to listen to you. It's much better this way. "'He'll go with you now so he can sleep in your hall, "'but I'll board the black ship. "'Encourage our companions there and tell them everything. "'I lay claim to being the only elder among them. "'All the others are younger men, "'the same age as great-hearted Telemachus. "'They follow him out of friendship. "'I should lie down there now, "'beside the hollow black ship, "'so at dawn I can go off after the great-hearted Cauconis. "'where a debt is owed to me, nothing new or minor.' "'Since he came to your house, send this one with your son and a chariot, "'and give him horses, the strongest and fastest on their feet that you have.' "'So saying, bright-eyed Athena departed, "'looking like an unidentified kind of bird, a fene, "'something like a sea-eagle, maybe, "'and amazement seized all the Achaeans as they watched. "'The old man marvelled at what he'd seen. "'He took Telemachus' hand, said his name, and spoke.' "'Dear boy, I don't expect you'll be bad or weak "'if, young as you are, "'the gods already accompany you like this as escorts. "'Of those who make their homes on Olympus, "'this was none other than the daughter of Zeus, Athena, "'most renowned Tritogeneia. "'She honoured your noble father, too, among the Argives. "'Anna Silethi. be gracious, lady.' Grant me noble fame for myself and my children and my worthy wife. I'll sacrifice a heifer to you, a broad-browed yearling, unbroken, which no man ever led under a yoke. I'll gild her horns with gold and sacrifice her to you. That's what he said, praying. And Pallas Athena heard him. Then Nestor the Gerenian horseman led the way for them, his sons and sons-in-law, to his beautiful house. Once they came to the Lord's renowned home, they sat down in rows on the couches and chairs, and as they came, the old man mixed wine for them in a mixing bowl, sweet to drink, which the housekeeper, untying the cover, opened in the eleventh year. The old man mixed it in a mixing bowl, and pouring libations to the daughter of Zeus, the aegis-bearer, he prayed a great deal to Athena. Then, after they'd made the libation and drunk as much as their hearts desired, they each went to their own homes to sleep— But Nestor the Grenian horseman gave Telemachus, the dear son of godlike Odysseus, a place to sleep right there, in a carved bed under the echoing portico. And next to him was Pisistratos of the good ash spear, leader of men. As a young man, still unmarried, he was counted as one of the children in Nestor's hall. Nestor himself slept in an inner room of the lofty house, and his lady wife shared his bed and lay beside him. You've been listening to The Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. You can learn more and listen to new episodes at theodysseyoutloud.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash odysseyoutloud. Thank you for listening.